thank you for worshiping. I, I always love to, to listen to these guys. And it's, it's distracting me from worshiping because they're so good. But, uh, but it also helps. If they would be really bad, you know, it would distract even more. So, uh, so it's a good distraction. Amen. And uh, yeah, that was the joke that I had. Uh, everything else is very serious. And uh, greetings for Pastor Chad. He's traveling in Arizona. He's uh, this week back. I believe Thursday he sent his greetings to all of you. And uh, it's good to have you guys watching us tonight online. There is about 20 different nations joining us online today. I believe there's maybe a 20 nations here in the house today presented as well. So maybe it's 40 together. Uh, God's house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. And uh, that's, that's one of the things in Jerusalem that you get to enjoy. That we, we come from different backgrounds and different walks of faith. And, and we don't even know one another mostly when we come to this house. And, and we feel we are one in the Messiah. Amen. So I hope you feel at home today. And uh, this week we had a really good start for the disciples. But I really encourage you to take part on, on Wednesday at 6 p.m. at the summit. Used to be the prayer tower. It's called now Summit, 14th floor of this building. Be there. How many of you brought your Bibles, your devices, or your scrolls with you? Yeah, Wayne encouraged me to be more, more modern than this, but I really like the scroll dynamic. You know, it kind of uh, brings back good memories uh, to some people. Yeah. This last week, this is the last week for us in the Perspective series, and next week we'll begin a new study on the book of Joel. Pastor... Uh, Chad will be preaching, and the last week, Pastor Ray spoke about God's word as the truth, revealing God and his will for us. He spoke from John 8, verses 30 to 32, saying, that says, uh, as he was speaking these things, many people put their trust in him. Then Yeshua said to the Judeans who had trusted him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Pastor Ray pointed out that even when the truth reveals our brokenness, it heals us as we abide, as we remain in his word, and align by his word what is the truth. This week, this week we are going to be looking into how our, our perspective of God and his will can change and grow throughout our lifetime. And not necessarily as much for the believers, but maybe those that are not strong in the Lord, their perspective of God changes through our experiences. And today's title for my message is 
God hears the desperate, desperate prayer changes everything. And we are going to take a look at the life of Manasseh, Manasseh in Hebrew, who was the son of the king Hezekiah. But before that, let's bow our heads in prayer. Yeshua the Lord, we believe that you have something in your heart tonight for all of us. We believe that you are here and we honor you. Father, I ask that you would use this broken vessel as me to deliver something from the heart of God to all of us. Holy Spirit, I need your help. I know you can do this. Amen. So life of Manasseh, uh, Manasseh in Hebrew, he was born to a very, very righteous family. I, I have these multiple very words there because his father was King Hezekiah, his mother Hezipah, and Manasseh, Manasseh was brought up in the ways of the Lord. And there's a lot to say about his father, the king Hezekiah. And if, just a few words about him before we go deeper into Manasseh. King Hezekiah restored Judah back to honor God. He made a strict mandate to worship God only, only one God, Yahweh to honor only him in the temple. The prophecies of the books of Hosea and Micah were made during Hezekiah's reign. King Hezekiah, Manasseh, and Manasseh's son Amon are all mentioned in the genealogy of Yeshua in Matthew 1 and 10. Second Kings uh, chapter 18 and 5 onwards says, this about Hezekiah, starting verse 5. Hezekiah trusted the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him and kept the commandments the Lord had given Moses. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Some writers suggest that it was a custom in uh, King Hezekiah's before him and after him that the father and son, soon becoming king the son, spent about the last decade in close relationship, kind of training the successor to take over the kingship before the king, the father, passed away. That was the case, I believe, also in Manasseh's and uh, Hezekiah's relationship. Manasseh was the first king of Judah who would have no direct experience with the kingdom of Israel 
which had been destroyed by the Assyrians. He was ruling the king of Judah. So Manasseh had a very good background and start for his life. And he reigned in Jerusalem longer than any other king, Manasseh. Kingdom of Judah, about 55 years. During his reign, there was almost a half century of prosperity and peace. But yet, he's considered as the worst king of Judah. It is said that he carries the blame for the later destruction of Jerusalem and the first temple to the hands or at the hands of Babylonians. So his sins have severe consequences. Every Teisha Be'av all around the world, which is the ninth of the month Av, is considered the saddest day for the Jewish people and their calendar. They lament for the loss of the two temples here, right here, a few miles away in this city of Jerusalem. The first one was destroyed by Neo-Babylonian Empire, and as we know, the second one by the Roman Empire. On this day, the Teixapea, the Book of Lamentations is read, and other calamities are remembered, like what happened during the Crusades here in this land, and of course the Holocaust. This year, Teixapea will be falling to August 6 and 7. And it's, it's not the time a lot of tourists are in the land, but, but this land mourns. Think about a father, King Hezekiah. It's said that there was no one, no one like him among the kings of Judah. And right after, the next generation, Manasseh, the worst king so far ever. Manasseh's story is also recorded in 2 Kings chapter 21 and onwards. And uh, it's a chapter that pictures him as a very despised, kind of a, kind of a uh, forget that man, kind of a light. It puts that light on him. And many of the Jewish people still today consider him in that light. But today we are going to read his story from Second Chronicles, starting from chapter 32, verse 33. And we read, Hezekiah rested with his ancestors and was buried on the hill where the tombs of David and his descendants are. Just a few blocks from here, from this place. You can go, if you're a tourist here, you can go and see, see the tombs in just, uh, I think it's outside the walls of Jerusalem. Was it inside, Wayne? Just by the old city. All Judah and the people of Jerusalem honored him when he died. And Manasseh, his son succeeded him as king. Chapter 33, verse 1 continues. 
Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had demolished. He also erected altars to Baals and made Asher balls. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and he worshipped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. In both courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. He sacrificed his children in fire in the valley of Penhinom, just here outside the old city again. He practiced divination and witchcraft, sought omens, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. He took the image he had made and put it in God's temple, of which God had said to David and to his son Solomon, in this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. I will not again make the feet of Israelites leave the land I assigned to your ancestors, if only they will be careful to do everything I commanded them concerning all the laws, decrees, and regulations given through Moses. But Manasseh led Judah and the people of Jerusalem astray so that they did more evil than all the nations the Lord had, had destroyed before the Israelites. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. So the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook, hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. Maybe you have that picture. I think it's from a children's Bible or something. Wow. Can you imagine how wrong can things go for you? How far can you be from where you started? From the very good start that he had. How far can you go? Think about the burden and the sin of this man, Manasseh. How much weight he carries in his shoulders. Even today, the results of his and, and the nation's sin, they have an annual remembrance day. And all that we read, he had done a great sinner a man from the darkness. Verse 12 says, In his distress he sought the favor of the Lord his God, and he humbled himself greatly 
before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by the entreaty and listened into his plea. At that cell, at his all-time low in Babylon, Manasseh's life is changed. We can imagine that there in that dark cell room, he crashes inside, he's crying, he humbles himself, he repents, calling for the God of his fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And maybe he says something like this, Oh Lord, I've been so stupid. I've totally ignored you. I have greatly sinned. I am the worst, I have no excuse. I'm the only one to blame for all this mess. If Lord, you can just forgive me, I just need your forgiveness. I have nothing to offer you but I have heard of your great mercy, O oh God. Have mercy on me. Have mercy. And it is that prayer in that dark cell that truly catches heaven's attention. Father's heart is moved and a fountain of grace opens and begins to flow. It is that one realization, that one decision in his mind and heart that turns Manasseh's faith and destiny from a sinking trend to a sharp, arising trend. No one is a lost case for the Lord. When the Lord God says, arise and be bright, nothing can stop that. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you, like we sang earlier here today. If you believe the lie that someone is a lost case, you should repent you are disvaluing God's power and his grace. For he loves that person. He died for him. He died for the desperate people. He died for the sinners. He didn't die for the all-sufficient people. We continue reading from verse 13, the latter part of that. So the Lord brought back, the Lord brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. And then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. So here he is back in Jerusalem, back as the king of Judah. It's amazing. He's back as the king of Judah. 
because of that prayer. At this point, I guess the only good thing he had done is that he repented. So his account is still at this point very, very low. What does Manasseh mean? What is the meaning of Manasseh, the name? It means it's evaporating like a water evaporates and disappears, like seamlessly disappears, but evaporates. And another meaning is forgetting. He's very forgetful, forgetting something to that direction. But he forgot God. And his kingdom kind of evaporated from his hands. Finally, to me, as, as not so literate in Hebrew, I speak a little bit. Uh, the English version of his name, Manasseh, sounds like, Manasseh, what are we going to do? Or Hebrew lesson for you, uh, Maniaseh, what am I going to do? But Manasseh, Manasseh, what are we going to do? And uh, it's funny, forgive me this simple Hebrew conclusion stuff. I do it quite often actually, but this has not, no connection to reality though. It's just a funny coincidence. So don't quote me. So here he's back in Jerusalem, sits as king again. I believe he's amazed. He's gone to Babylon as a prisoner. He's met God there. He had to go to Babylon to meet God. Think about that. From the city of the great king to Babylon to meet God. He's restored. I believe he's a little bit in shock, like spinning head, like, how is this possible? I'm back here. Verse 13 reads that, then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. At his low point, he had humbled himself, repented, and had a personal experience of who God is. Excuse me. Sound guy catches that next time I do it. It's my team, so we, we have a relationship. <laughs> they can take it. A merciful God that he had previously only heard of, he had now personally experienced. A God who can forgive, forget, and evaporate our sins and remember them no more. Like in the meaning of his name. I believe it spoke to him on that day. But now, Maniase, what am I going to do? Manasseh begins truly to repent to do the works of repentance. We continue the reading from verse 14 and on. Afterward, 
he rebuilt the outer wall of the city of David, west of Gihon Spring in the valley, as far as the entrance of the fish gate, and encircling the hill of Ophel. He also made it much higher. He stationed military commanders in all fortified cities in Judah. He got rid of the foreign gods and re removed the image from the temple of the Lord, as well as all the altars he had built on the temple hill and in Jerusalem. And he threw them out of the city. Then he restored the altar of the Lord and sac sacrificed fellowship offerings and thank offerings on it. And he told Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. The people, however, continued to sacrifice at high places, but only to the Lord, their God. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. What a story. What a story of grace, restoration, and just plain goodness of God. We serve a God that is full of grace. When we humble ourselves, he lifts us up. We serve a God that restores our lives. He heals us. He restores that which the enemy took from us. Mostly the relationship in between the Father and us. But we also serve a God whose intentions toward us are plain good. He's a king and a friend that we can always trust. When he does something for you to do, or when you hear the still small, small voice, do it. You will greatly benefit from the obedience you show. Humbleness will lift you up and obedience will bring you a blessing. Verse 10 says that the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. The Lord spoke and yet they did not listen. He was a way too proud. So the Lord had to speak to him. He was way too proud to ask of the Lord. So the Lord had to speak without asking. But still he did not listen. May we all be the ones that come to the Lord asking for wisdom, for guidance, for the truth like Pastor Ray preached last week. May we be the ones whose ears are open, who have hearing ears, whose eyes are not blind, whose heart is willing to act. I know that God desires us. 
He's waiting for you today to fellowship with him. And he's wanting for you to come to him. Whether you are in a desperate situation like Manasseh or having a good day, he wants to be with you. He wants you to draw close to him. And I believe in many of our cases, he truly misses us. Would you bow your head in prayer with me? I feel like the Lord is saying to you today, I've been waiting for you. I have longed for you. And whether you know it or not, I have something for you, prepared for you. It's an abundant life, a purpose, an exciting future. Listen to me, ask me first. Let me be your advisor. Let me be your guide. Let me be your source of satisfaction. Ask of me. I know what will give you a meaningful life because I am the way, the truth, and the life. I don't know if you want to raise your hand if you are that person today. Then in your heart, agreed with what I just said. Here we are, Lord. Here I am, Lord. And like Manasseh, I repent, for I have not listened to you, the source of all wisdom. I have listened to other voices more than my master's voice. I have offended you in so many ways. Please forgive me, I'm sorry. I know you are full of grace and mercy, willing to forgive. Forgive me, Lord, restore what the enemy has taken away. Thank you, Lord Yeshua, for doing this for me. Thank you. I feel like I want to do another prayer for the prodigal sons, those sons and daughters that have gone astray from the Lord and pray for these sons and daughters. If you have a son or a daughter or a sister or a brother or maybe even a mother or father or someone real close, pray with me. Father, I confess that many times my faith for these people that I've prayed so long for has been fading. I ask forgiveness, Lord God, that 
Maybe I even have lost my faith for their lives, restoration with you. But here I am, Lord God, today. I pray that, that you would do your miracle work in the lives of, of these sons and daughters, especially that have gone astray, Lord God, that have forgotten about you, like King Manasseh forgot about you. I know you love them. You died for them on the cross. What a great love you had for them and you have today. Restore their lives, Lord God. Restore my faith, restore our faith for trusting, Lord, in your goodness for them, Lord God, that you will bring them in your time, Lord God. Touch their lives today, Lord God, as we are here together. We agree that you will send forth your Holy Spirit to touch their lives today and bring them back to your kingdom, Lord God. Help our faith to arise in the new levels. Give us a loving heart for these close people that have gone astray. Give us your loving heart, Lord God, also for those people that we don't really like, that you died for, Lord God. Help us see people around us with your eyes. Do this work in our hearts. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.